What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Young Black and Opinionated, or welcome if this is your first time listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, and you can also leave me a rate and review. I really appreciate that. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the YBO Podcast. All right, I actually have a lot to cover today, so let's just jump right into the episode. First up, we have Put Y'all On. You know, Put Y'all On is the segment of the show where I put y'all on to my favorite thing of the week. It could be music, movies, TV show, what have you. Definitely want to put y'all on to the fact that I was a guest on another podcast this week. So make sure you check out my episode over at the Greenhouse Podcast. I believe the episode title is The Breakdown Volume 14. So it was just nice to chop it up with some old friends, you know, talk about a little bit of entertainment news. So make sure you go listen to that episode of the Greenhouse Podcast and give them a follow at the Greenhouse PO for pod. Um, so it's the Greenhouse PO. And I've had a a couple speaking things going on recently. I recently was on Latoya Dove's Instagram live, just talking about everything from podcasting to natural hair, um, imposter syndrome. We talked about it all. So you can watch the recap on her Instagram. Her Instagram is just, it's Latoya Dove. And, um, also this week I got a chance to answer some questions about my career in communications for a college class. So that was really fun. It's just, I'm just having like really good, feel good moments this week, just like coming full circle, just reminding, reminded the fact that like I was once a student and now I kind of have my bearings. I kind of know what I'm talking about, even when I don't think I do. And people are reaching out to me, asking me to speak. So it's just a good, feel good moment. (laughs) It's just a personal moment. That's all I wanted to put y'all on to. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Let's really get into today's topics. First of all, I want to share with you guys what I've been watching. Number one, I was getting my nails done. And you know how like your nail tech or your barber or whoever, you kind of just become friends just seeing this person so often and like being so personal, like them literally like doing your nails. Like, you know me, like, you know, you know what I like from our conversations, etc. So anyway, why did my nail tech recommend this crazy true crime movie called Girl in the Basement. She just knows I love true crime. I'm like, I just love that. That made me feel so good. Like, oh, you know what to recommend to me. So she was like, oh my God, you have to watch this movie Girl in the Basement. It's on Lifetime. So I'm recommending it to you guys because this was crazy. First of all, based on a true story, as soon as you say that, I'm like, forget this. Where's the true story? I want to know what really happened. So apparently this really happened in Austria. A man locked his daughter in the basement for 20 years, not 20 months, not two years, 20 years. She went down there when she was 18 and it was just awful. Just abuse, uh, incestuous rape. She, she got pregnant, had like seven kids by him. They, I would say they captured the essence of the true story in this movie, but they definitely toned it down because in this movie we only had, I mean, we didn't really see a rape in this movie, but you could tell what was going on. She had like four kids in the movie and, um, she did escape. The true story is that she did escape and that's what exactly what happened in the movie. Uh, of course, you know, they had, they probably took some creative liberties with the movie about how she escaped and everything like that, but definitely check out this movie. It was crazy. Like I was enraged. I, I just, sometimes I just can't believe as a true crime fan, I, I stop myself sometimes. And I'm like, okay, this is entertaining, but this is real life. Like people really got hurt. 
you know, so just keep that in the back of your mind. But at least, you know, I guess it had a happy ending. I'm, I'm sorry that they had to go through all that, but literally those kids were raised in a basement. Those kids never saw the outside world, never had friends. Ugh, I just can't imagine how messed up they are. They're probably in their, like, 30s by now. Well, no. I don't know when this happened in Austria, but I'm going to say those kids are probably teenagers or something now. Jeez. But on a lighter note, I also watched this week Kid 90. So this is also another doc. Okay, well, Girl in the Basement is not a documentary. Kid 90 is a documentary. And um, this is on Hulu. This is all about, really, it kind of centers around Soleil Moonfire. She is a 90s actress. She played Punky Brewster. And basically, during her time, you know, as a, a child and teen actor, she carried around a video camera and just took took video. And this is what I was trying to get at when I talked about the Biggie documentary a couple weeks ago. Just the fact that, like, we have these old tapes from the 90s and we're able to see, like, what life was like back then. Because, yeah, you can hear stories, you can read books, and you can watch movies. But when I watch real documentary footage of kids smoking and hanging out back then, I'm just like, I feel like I'm transported there. And so, you know, she had all of her tapes. She talked about what it was like to transition from a child actor to a teen actor. She grew, like, double D tits, and nobody wanted to hire her anymore. She got a breast, um, not augmentation. What's the other word? Reduction. She got a breast reduction. She did a couple movies after that. And it, it really, and she, she lost a lot of friends. That was the saddest part to me. She lost, a, she lost like eight friends to drugs. Just young teenagers in Hollywood taking drugs. And they committed, no, they committed suicide. They didn't even die from drugs. They committed suicide. And she said, like, looking back at these tapes and reading my diaries, because she kept everything. And I wish I did that. I wish I had diaries from, like, when I was a kid because... Ugh, I would love to put a documentary of my life together like this. But she was like, looking back at these tapes and everything, I realized like my friends were crying out for help and I was not really there for them. I said this was going to be lighter. It what parts of it was light, parts of it was fun, but it was heavy at times. And they had um, you know, kids from Scream and 90210 and everybody on this documentary, like all your favorite white 90s actors, if you have any. <laughs> Um, and so that's what I was watching on Hulu and to keep the nineties theme going, I also watched the last blockbuster on Netflix this week. So this is a documentary all about the last standing blockbuster. And before you look it up, yes, they are still in business in Bend, Oregon. I just recently read a, a, um, article about how they survived the pandemic. They sold a lot of merch online. They partnered with Airbnb to let people sleep over in the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. And um, they said that their prices are still the same. You can still rent a new release for $3.99 for the weekend. And you can rent older movies for $0.99 cents for a week. So <laughs> this was a very interesting documentary just talking about their fight to stay open. And um, they had a lot of nerdy, like, movie buffs in this documentary talking about, like, oh, you can't close the last blockbuster. It's nostalgia. Like, there's nothing, like walking down the aisles and picking a movie and feeling the tape in your hand. And then they interviewed the old CFO and he was like, do I miss renting movies? No. <laughs> he literally was like, no, not at all. And I totally agreed. Like I understand the nostalgia of it. And like, everybody's like crying in this documentary. Like, Oh my God, like we miss net, we miss blockbuster. And I'm just thinking like, uh, I'm cool with the streaming services. Like I love having, 
the streaming services at the touch of a button. Like, I don't really feel the need to get in my car and go rent a DVD. Sure, it's a great part of my childhood. Like, me and my dad totally bonded over that. My dad used to take us to, well, in my town, it was called Hollywood Video. I think there was also a blockbuster. But, yeah, my dad used to take us to the video store. We used to literally, like, all get to pick a movie. It was fun. It was a family thing. But those days have passed. I don't. I, I understand people are trying to hold on to nostalgia, but, like, also, it's not that easy to get a VCR these days. A, a VCR is like $300 on Amazon. So I'm glad that they're open and like they're turning it kind of into more of like a, not museum, but like an experience thing. The whole thing is experience, right? Nobody's actually like, man, I wish I had a, a, a VHS. The real thing is like they want that experience of going through the video store talking with the clerk and getting video recommendations, making friends. And the general manager who works there, her name is Sandy. She's been working there for like 15 years. And um, she, they called her the blockbuster mom because all the teens in town worked there and they moved on, but she didn't. So it was a very interesting documentary if you guys, and it's just funny that people think Netflix put blockbuster out of business, but really they said they just had financial hardship once the market crashed in 2008. And then... Um, they actually had an opportunity to buy Netflix. I didn't know that. That was interesting. So now apparently Dish Network owns Blockbuster and they approved for Sandy and her little Blockbuster store in uh, Bend, Oregon to keep the name for now. So if you are interested, she's selling hats, t-shirts, the whole nine. And um, finally, I wanted to talk about The Bachelor. I don't watch The Bachelor, but anything about race, anything about the treatment of black men, I'm interested in. And if you are someone who watches The Bachelor or you want to know more, definitely check out my friend Brianna's, uh, you know, recap mini series on IGTV. Her Instagram is Brianna Renee. And on there, she does a good little mini series of each Bachelor episode. But The Bachelor... The finale has come quick. Remember a couple months ago, I was just saying like, ooh, world's first black bachelor. This is gonna be exciting. It did not end well. And I'm just going to briefly read to you guys a good article from, I think it was the LA Times. Oh, darn it. I oh, here it is. Okay. I read, a, I, I was like, I kept seeing like, oh, I'm disappointed in the bachelor on my timeline. But as someone who doesn't watch it, I was like, what's going on? So I watched... Brianna's videos. And then I dug a little deeper and I read this LA times article and it, the title, the headline is black fans may not forgive the bachelor, but Matt James has their attention. And I think that headline perfectly sums it up. This is what I gathered. Apparently the semifinalists were a girl named Rachel and a girl named, uh, Melissa. No, it's not Melissa. Darn it. I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared for this. Y'all Melissa. It's not Melissa, Melanie, something like that. Michelle, I'm sorry, it's Michelle. Okay. Is it Michelle? Yep, it's Michelle. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so boom. Two semifinalists, Rachel and Michelle. He was really feeling Mich he was really feeling Rachel. So turns out Rachel has a racist past. She went to a lady, she went to a antebellum southern themed party in 2018. Um, and some also some some racist, oh, she liked some racist social media posts. So very problematic. And the whole thing is just sad because I'll just briefly read to you guys what this all says, you know? Um, oh, first of all, they replaced the host for the, uh, reunion special because the host, he was in the wrong as well. He seemed to be siding with the girl. 
Like, sir, you're about to lose your job. You might want to be on the right side of history. But long story short, like, people just felt like the the producers didn't really vet these girls. And they didn't really care about his well-being and, like, his feelings and how he felt. And um, this is what Natasha Scott, who hosts the Bachelor-themed Two Black Girls, One Rose podcast with Justine K had to say. The overwhelming sentiment was that it was really sad. I felt bad for Matt James. He looked really messed up and damaged, in a way, by the process. You can see he's been processing a lot, going through his own mental journey to figure out how he ended up here. I think this dude truly was ready for love. You know, he came from a single mom household, his white mother, black father was absent. Apparently they had him talking with his dad on an episode and that was awkward and didn't go well either. And so it's kind of just like this black man got messed over again. You know, like black men are always getting messed over. Black women are always getting messed over. And um, I saw him tweet the other day, like Googling therapist near me. I think he really is going to need some therapy after this because you're just living all this out on TV. And what I didn't like from the clips that I saw was the host, even though he was saying like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, I'm not ready for this. The host was pushing him like pick a ring and pick somebody, propose, get engaged because he wanted the show to have that fairy tale ending just like the producers did. But that's not real life. I told you guys, like, I feel like this is all scripted. You can't really find love on a game show. Like, I do feel bad for him that he went through all of this. He's going to be famous and have some clout, sure, but, like, at what cost? Like, do you want followers or do you want your mental sanity? So I really am praying for this dude because it's just sad. Like, that's show business, honey. Um, And then somebody said, like, it was clear that Chris Harrison, the host, was not the right person to deal with Matt's process. He literally went to him and was like, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. And he just brushed it off and was like, oh, well. So sorry to this man. So sorry to this black man. So in the end, I think he um did pick Rachel, but broke up with her shortly after. And then the reunion, that was like their first time seeing each other in months. And um, he was not, he was not trying to get a hug, nothing. He was not trying to be around this girl. All right, let's get into Oscar nominations, shall we? The Oscars are right around the corner. We know who's been nominated. And here are some interesting facts that I want to point out. Number one. Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson become the first black women nominated for hair and makeup Oscar. That is so dope. Congratulations to these two black women. I think they worked on Ma Rainey's, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we all know Viola Davis looked crazy in that. I mean, for good reason. Like, they made her look like that on purpose. Like, ugh, just so talented. Black people are so talented. Um, which also reminds me of, um, I posted this on the YBO Instagram. But um, I'm losing my train of thought. You know what I mean. I was talking about the costume lady. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay, also, Steven Yen is the first Asian-American actor to be nominated for Best Actor. He was in this movie called Minari. I haven't seen it yet. But wow, man, that's crazy. It is 2021. And he is the first Asian-American actor to be nominated for Best Actor. That's insane. Congratulations to that man. And finally, I wanted to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. So I don't remember if I even got to talk about this movie on the podcast. It might have made of it might have been around Black History Month. 
I don't know, but I watched it and it was dope. It was just great. It just made me feel so empowered as a black person. Like I didn't even know Fred Hampton's story, to be honest. Y'all know I'm still learning more about black history. We all have so much to learn, really. And this documentary was amazing. I mean, it wasn't a documentary. This movie was amazing. And um, the question now becomes, who is the lead actor? The Academy has nominated both Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Best Supporting Actors. So everybody's like, if they're both supporting, who's the lead? I personally would say Daniel was the lead. Did Lakeith have more lines and more screen time? Probably, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he was the main character. This whole movie was about Fred Hampton and like he was the main character. So like he should be the lead. He His face is the biggest on the poster. But apparently they're both supporting actors. So um, I think Warner Brothers, who owned the movie, they posted that... Um, you know, we actually think that Lakeith should be the lead. I don't know about that. They said, while not for certain, the more plausible speculation is that Kaluuya received a large number of votes in lead actor despite being cam campaigned and supporting. Many of those ballots likely had Stanfield listed for supporting and vice versa. Yeah, the reps at the Oscars are not commenting, so we will never know. But if you guys didn't watch that movie, please check it out. It was so good. HBO stay with the movies, HBO max. I mean, y'all know Netflix is good too, but HBO, I, I need to get my HBO back. Cause the last season of insecure is coming up. Ugh. Oh, by the way, I'm watching good girls again. Season four. Ugh. love that show. I just love that show. All right. Let me move on. What was I going to talk about? Oh yeah. Let's get to this black lives matter thing. So I was on my timeline and I hate the fact that like social media moves so quickly. Like I come on my timeline, I see one tweet about like the fact there was even a black lives matter celebrity group chat. And I'm thinking, okay, what's that about that? This is how I piece together things on social media. I'm just walking you guys through my process. Then I see this girl's tweet, like, Oh, Sean King and black lives matter are both getting dragged on the same day. Like, haha. And I was like, all right, what's going on with Sean King? I really couldn't find any actual news articles about this. I guess, these news outlets don't care about, you know, what, what black Twitter has to say, but I do, I stay on black Twitter. And the consensus is that, um, Tamir Rice's mom spoke out about black lives matter and Tamika Mallory and a whole bunch of other civil rights lawyers. And she was like, y'all got me effed up. Like y'all just be, th these were some of her words. Uh, okay. Actually this was not her words, but some other People said that Black Lives Matter is a commodification of black death and also performance activism. And, you know, I talked about this before on the podcast, not those words, not in so many words. Like I talked about the fact that some people have questioned, where do our Black Lives Matter donations go? Who is it really helping? And like also LeBron James wearing a Breonna Taylor hat, like, is that even appropriate? Like, we don't want to just make t-shirts and hats out of Breonna Taylor's death, which by the way, I think we talked about the fact that her family got a $27 million settlement. No, no, I'm sorry. That was George Floyd. I apologize. Breonna Taylor got less than George Floyd, but nevertheless, you know, do we really want to be, ha I, I saw some flyers for 
Brianna BBQ, like a Brianna Taylor barbecue themed barbecue, like all that stuff does seem dirty to me. It does seem nasty to me. It just doesn't seem appropriate to me. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't just be saying black lives matter just to put more coins in celebrities pockets. You know what I mean? Anyways, that's not how I, I'm, I'm for black lives matter. I'm for the movement. I don't care about the entity who owns the name. I don't care about that. The, the, the fact of the matter is black lives do matter. But this is what was happening on Twitter. Apparently some people were just coming for Black Lives Matter, just dragging them and Sean King. You know, Sean King, he's always seemed a little performative to me. But anyways, Chica. Remember how I was just talking about Chica recently? Um, I love her. She's a great uh, rapper. And so she pointed, she like quote tweeted the Tamir Rice tweet and was like, yeah, um, I really didn't feel comfortable in the Black Lives Matter celebrity group chat when they were trying to turn a protest into a YG music video. And so I think that's what sparked everybody being like, wait a second, why was there even a Black Lives Matter celebrity group chat? And she, she, you know, came back with a second tweet. She doubled back and was like, no, it wasn't like, she was like, it was just like me, my manager and like some other celebrities. So like we could have a safe, secure line to like have a regular conversation and like be encrypted so like people weren't reading what we had to say and she was like it, it's not as deep as you're making it she was like let me just nip this in the bud like it's not as deep as you guys are making it but the fact that i don't know once she put that out there it's like you can't take it back once you put out the idea people are going to take that idea and run with it like oh celebrity group chat y'all just plotting how to make money off of black death like the whole thing was just it only lasted for about a day on black twitter but it was just something interesting to me because i feel like people are definitely becoming woke to like, we're, we're saying black lives matter and all this stuff, but like, what are we really doing about it? You know, like what's going on with George Floyd's case? What's going on with Ahmaud Aubrey's case? Whatever happened to that? It's kind of just like, we kind of just forgot. So please don't forget because the anniversary actually just passed for Breonna Taylor. So please, please don't forget. Breonna Taylor deserved to be alive. Breonna Taylor would have been my age, literally my age. What if that was me? You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to become a t-shirt. So let's keep that in mind. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next point about all the anti-Asian hate that's going on right now. So this is still, this, this story is still, you know, um, evolving. It's a work in progress and we don't know what's going to happen, but basically there was a shooting on Tuesday at, at three Atlanta area spas. The 21 year old white male gunman attacked three Atlanta spas that were predominantly Asian. He killed eight people. Number one, lock them up, period. Just lock them up. You killed eight people. There's no excuse. I don't want to hear the insanity. I don't want to hear you had a bad day because apparently that's what they did say in the press conference. The, the, the sheriff was like, yeah, it was a bad day for him. Okay. We all have bad days. I don't mean I go around killing eight people. Like what, what is it going to take? For us to treat white people like black people. Treat everybody the same. That's not possible, I guess. Not these headlines, not this media coverage, not police. Just having him chilling in the backseat with no handcuffs. I didn't see the video, but that's what somebody told me. Go watch the video for yourself. You can fact check me. But it just makes me mad. I don't even want to hear about this dude. I really don't even want to hear about this dude. It just makes me so mad because, like, if that was a black person, there would be no question. You would be, you would be given... You'll be sentenced to death. You'll be sentenced to death if you went in there shooting eight people. And so this is what happened. They say that the reason why he did this is because he suffers from a sex addiction and those spas 
uh, are tempting to him. Are you kidding me? I don't go shoot it up the liquor store because I like to drink. Are you dumb? Like, this whole thing just makes me so aggravated. It's like, when when is enough enough? Why do we have hate crimes like this? And, you know, I posted this on the, the YBO Instagram. And um, this, this tweet just perfectly sums it up. This girl, Brianna Holt, says, When every community continues to call on the same community to stop hate toward them, it's even more evident that that particular community needs to do more work. I'm sorry, but we're talking about white people. I'm sorry to my white listeners, but there's some white people out there who still don't get it. Instead of saying, stop killing black people, it's, oh, well, maybe black people should stop being so suspicious. Instead of, we, these Asian people didn't do anything but go to work. Those black people in that church didn't do anything but go to, to, to Bible study. And it's like, they, we always get the finger pointed back at us like what we need to do. No, what you need to do is stop killing people. How about that? And it just makes me sad that, you know, I'm a woman of faith. I think the only person who should have the power of life and death is God. And for us humans to think that we could take somebody else's life, who told you that you had that power? You you just decided right then and there that you were going to end the lives of Delania, Paul, Dayu, 44 years old, 33 years old. These were some of the victims. LCS Hernandez Ortiz, 30, injured. 30 years old. 21-year-old mad, sexually frustrated white boy just goes and shoots people up. Okay. And then, you know, some people are saying like, oh, it wasn't racially motivated. What was it then? Please tell me. Please tell me what it was. I would love to. Oh, motive unknown. I don't think the motive's unknown. I think it's very clear. I mean, we're, we're, this is all happening against the backdrop where there have been like 30, there have been like 3,000 um, cases of Asian hate crimes. Everything from people being sliced in the face with a box cutter in New York City to now eight people dead. So you tell me what it is, if it's not racially motivated, please. And I just don't understand why now. I guess this I guess this is my naivety. Apparently, these hate crimes have been happening all throughout 2020, but I was blind to it because I will admit that black issues come first for me. And and rightly so, I'm a black woman. But I don't as a if I call myself an ally and you know, if all of us B-I-P-O-C, as they call us, black indigenous people of color, if we're all on the front lines together, then I should care just as much about my Asian brethren as I do about my black brethren. And I think that's the piece that's missing. Quite frankly, I've said it on the podcast before, people always say like, oh, thank God that didn't happen to me. Oh, thank God that's not me. I understand that, but like, there's a bigger issue here. The enemy is racist white people. <laughs> like the enemy is not Asian people. The enemy is not black people. The The enemy is racist white people. And I just don't understand why somebody would take another person's life just because you don't like how they look or how they talk or how they do their hair, or how they dress. Like, are you kidding me? Ugh. So yeah, I'm really disgusted. I don't even know the dude's name. I don't care to know, but let's end it on a high note. Shall we? Let's talk about the Grammys. The Grammys were definitely a high note for black women. Megan Thee Stallion won three Grammys. Three Grammys. Best new artist, rap song for Savage Remix, and rap performance for Savage Remix. 
And it's funny because I asked my boyfriend, like, when has a remix ever been better than the original? And he was like, um, Savage. Totally. Savage remix is Grammy winning. Savage did not win the Grammy. Savage remix won the Grammy. And that's all thanks to a little help from Beyonce. Apparently, according to Rolling Stone, Beyonce said history at the 2021 Grammys becoming the most Grammy winning female artist in history. And she she has garnered more awards than any performer, male or female. So she has 28 Grammys now. So she's tied with the 88-year-old producer Quincy Jones. Her first, des- her yeah, I, I almost said Destiny's Child. And that's because Beyonce's first Grammy was in 2001. As part of Destiny's Child, the group won the best R&B song and best R&B performance by a duo or group with Say My Name. And she was only 19 at the time. So it's crazy. It's crazy. And um, she did say that I want to uplift, encourage, and celebrate all of the black, beautiful black queens and kings that continue to inspire me, inspire the world. I'm so glad that she has, um, you know, really been a voice for the black community. Putting that money to good use, you know, putting that stardom and that notoriety to good use. And this article also says this is the first year Beyonce has attended the Grammys since her critically acclaimed Lemonade lost album of the year in 2017. They didn't leave that out. (laughs) Because I always said, you know, like Beyonce and Jay-Z, like they're too important to go to the Grammys. Like they don't want to go to these things. But um, this is what happens when you show face. Nevertheless, I don't think it was enough because some of the things that I read said that the ratings fell 53% from last year. 53%. Yeah, I for one did not watch the show. I'm sorry, but I don't even have cable anymore. I don't even know where to watch. I don't even know if I was interested in watching really. Like I just, I haven't watched an award show in a very long time. So, um, I mean, congrats to these black women. Also, a Grammy winner was her. Her won Song of the Year for I Can't Breathe. That made me so freaking happy. A black-ass Black Lives Matter song winning Song of the Year. And she also won Best R&B Song for Better Than I Imagine with Robert Glasper. And Oh, I guess, I guess they're the writers. Never mind. Okay, so yeah, that was the Grammys. But I wanted to leave it on this high note, as if that wasn't enough for black women. Tiffany Haddish. I didn't even realize until recently that comedians could win Grammys for their comedy albums because um, I was recently watching the Parkers on Netflix and I was like, what else has Monique done? And I saw that Monique has a Grammy. Monique has won a comedy Grammy. And now Tiffany Haddish joins her. She found out that she won a Grammy while she was recording her show, Kids Say the Darnest Things. So she started to cry and... Um, this is all for her, for her album, Black Mitzvah. So she won the best comedy Grammy and she started to cry and she wasn't even at the Grammys. She was recording and she said to the kids, can I tell you why I'm crying? It's a lot of bumpy roads that you cross. It's a lot of times you feel like, well, am I doing the right thing? Is this good enough? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough to do this job? And you just have to believe in yourself as much as you can. And against all odds, you say, you know what? I'm going to just put my best foot forward. I'm going to give the world the best I got. Anything is possible. Wow. That was really, really touching, Tiffany Haddish. Like, why you make me cry like that, girl? So make sure you guys take these words to heart. You are good enough. Anything is possible. Please believe in yourself. 
That's a wrap, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Young Black and Opinionated. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the YBO Podcast. Follow me, Miss Chris D, M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening. Hit that subscribe button. Leave me a five-star rating if you like this episode. And you can also leave a review with your comments. If you don't want the world seeing your comments, you can email them to me. The email is helloybo at gmail.com. Bye for now.